we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. That's like playing pretend with five-year-olds. Oh, that Spider-Man, he was just a clone. Did I just have a stroke? Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. I have tough skin, apparently. I did not know I had this power. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. What we did not know was that Nikolai Tesla was the original designer of the Fleshlight. Make it, make it, do it, makes us... Welcome to episode 89 of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Podell. Today with me... You're hosting now? I'm hosting. Okay. You you just wanted to ramble, so I'm going to host. Yeah, that's fine. (laughs) Uh, I'm joined by Ann Bean. Hello. Joel Simon. Sup? And a very, very angry Luke Matthews. Today we're going to be covering Brian Wood and the artist's name? Gary Brown. Gary Brown's The Massive. Well, in the the ones that we're reading, the first three issues were Christian Donaldson. And then the rest of the series is basically Gary Brown. And uh, now we'll go back to ranting. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm, d- I'm done with my rants. I, I, uh, I, I've had a, an interesting time on the internet over the last couple of weeks, and I'm, I'm just <laughs> an like... An interesting time on the internet is the name of my memoir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm kind of fed up with people at the moment, but that's okay. Uh, um I don't know. So aside from the Batman cover, is there any other comic book news? Because I did not prepare for this episode Battle Chasers is coming back out. We talked, talked about, about that, that last, last episode. episode. Okay, last episode. Um, I read Howard the Duck. I'm sorry. How was it? It was good. Uh, <laughs> Jesus. Is that you read it and disliked it? Or you dislike the idea? I dislike the idea. I'm it's, kind of. It's written that. by Zadarsky. It's I know, not, but it's still John, drawn by Joe Quinones. It's but a raccoon is okay, just not a duck. They're uh, going to be in this issue two together. I, it just it, it actually shows up in the last panel of issue one. It's a terrifying future that it's leading to, where the Disney properties are being pushed for their own sake as opposed to the merit mm, of the characters. No, that's not what it feels like in this. No? Honestly, okay. Well, you've actually read it. And I haven't. Yeah. If there's anybody that can pull it off, it's Zadarsky. Is Zadarsky and Quinones? Yeah. I mean, like. I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you as the impetus for its origin, but if you're going to do that, at least they p- picked the right creative team to do it. Yeah. You know? Um, don't take it as faith, lack of faith in the creative team. Just take it as lack of faith in the concept. Yeah, I'm not... As, I, I'm not a fan of Howard the Duck either, and I don't... It's one of those things that people have like horrendous nostalgia for because of the movie, but... The movie's not good. The movie was bad. The movie so is a bad movie. and I've never seen the movie. Yeah, you're not missing anything. Um, and and it's, it's... It's got boobs. Well, I and like it's boobs. also this... It's also this, like... Um, it's part of the, the culture of irony, right? Like, at some point, people are like, uh, oh, it's really funny. It's so awesome. And, and it's not because they like it. It's not because it's good. But it's because it's like, this was so stupid. When I was a kid, <laughs> let's make it into a thing. And I'm just, oh, I'm grumpy today. You're always grumpy. Mm. I'm not always mm. grumpy. I'm grumpy more today. Jason <laughs> Voorhees in Mortal Kombat X. Okay, mm. whatever. Yeah. Things I don't care about. Oh, hey, I saw the pilot to Powers. Uh, the Sony commercial? Yet. No, the episode. The Sony commercial? <laughs> was it a Sony commercial? There's a lot of product placement. There's a lot of Sony product. Does that in. really surprise anybody? Not at all. I mean, what did you think, Ann? Uh, it was good. <laughs> it was not amazing. It was good, not it's, amazing. It's more like a, sh- a, a digital short as opposed to a TV show. No, it feels like a TV show. Um, I'm irritated that it's only on PlayStation Network, and I have to. S- I can get it for free on the internet if I sign up for a thing. Mm. I think you can only get the first. You first can get episode the first for episode free. for free on the internet, and then I don't know if signing up for the thing is free or not. No, it's it not. seems awful. It, like I'm not going to sign up for it just to get one show. The pilot was not so mind blowingly good. But that you, being said, actors are on point. They're all great. Yeah. Okay. What do you think about Charlto Charlto Copley? Copley? Charlto Copley. You mean this Doctor is, Who? No. The, was none he? of them are Doctor Who. No, but nah, never mind. Are you talking about... Yeah, your joke failed. Sh- yeah, I'm fine with that. You're, you are filled with hate today. Like, and I'm filled with literalism. <laughs> this will be an awesome... He was trying to be David Tennant? Yeah. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. I, I I, will see it tomorrow. I didn't think he was trying to be David Tennant. Yeah. Huh. But anyway, Powers, uh, resounding powers. mediocre. Uh, 
it's worth it's absolutely worth watching the pilot i would say for there free you go. on the internet i had a friend who was not familiar with powers and watched it and he was surprised at how dark it was because uh, uh most people are <laughs> well most people when they see you know superhero movies or whatnot they expect fantastic four iron man that kind of stuff and i guess this powers episode was a little gory yeah. Um, a little head exploding, like the comic book. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I felt like it matched the comic book well in terms of feel. You know, yeah. there's some plot differences, obviously, and but. and that's one thing is that this is on the web. It's not on broadcast television, so I don't think the FCC really has much control over it. Yeah. So you can do pretty much whatever you want, next to you know the really bad stuff, and I. I like the way that it's going. It's it gives a, a, a avenue or a venue for comic books that aren't mainstream. Yeah. You know, so yeah. you might get some of the the darker stuff. Um, and they're they're coming out with a preacher preacher TV show, preacher, which um, is on uh, a cable network. Though, yeah, so it's, uh, that's true. That they've been doing uh, Daredevil's. It looks like it's ramping up and it's pretty close oh, to being Daredevil released. Daredevil looks so good. Yeah, like the the most That's recent exciting. trailer for Daredevil uh, makes it just it looks it looks like they just nailed the tone. Yeah. If they if if the trailer is any indication, um, especially there is a there is a shot of Daredevil uh, in that trailer of him walking into a hallway and he's in the the pre Daredevil costume right because they don't show the red costume at all yeah and they show him in the like the black shirt the black pants with the the black hood over his eyes and his fists taped up mm-hmm. and it's just right out of a John Romita Jr. you know uh, what was the 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 man without fear oh, yeah, yeah sure. like it just that, straight out of there that it's, was that's what i i thought of when i saw that because that was the one where it ends up he's uh, attacking the mob in like a warehouse or something like that mm-hmm. when he first started becoming who wrote that that was Frank Miller. It was Frank Miller. Okay. The, the the Man Without Fear was a four issue miniseries, and it was uh, the origin story, and it was Frank Miller and John okay. Romita Jr. Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I thought I I thought I did read that, and I thought it was Frank Miller, but I, also I that's thought probably that was one of the, the best, one with Electra uh, too. Yeah, that's probably Frank one Miller of the best. did Electra too, right? Yes, yes. Okay, Frank Miller created it was Electra. Frank Miller. All right, um, that that Man Without Fear series is probably one of the best Daredevil books ever made it's the um, top three at least yeah and yeah. um that's why i said one of not the no i'm, I'm just <laughs> i'm backing you up on that yeah um and that looks like what that looks like the tone they're going for yeah. with the show which i'm totally fine with because um it that was i mean we can talk all day about the failings of the daredevil movie mm. right there are some things that they got very right in the daredevil movie Okay, what is is that oh, a yeah. six <laughs> six fold gatefold cover or I think it's an eight fold gatefold eight fold cover. Gate- it's the first issue of Odyssey by Matt Fraction. Yeah, that book wasn't oh. very good. I I don't dislike it. I think it's pushing the envelope in really interesting ways, and it's going to have a limited audience. Yeah, yeah. So so anyway, I to go back to TV shows. DC is starting to hit it out of the park too, because a lot of people are liking Arrow and Flash, and I guess they announced a new Marvel team up. Where they have what? other, yeah. There's going to be a, a not Marvel, my DC. bad. DC. It's just called um, a team up show, and it's going to be two a team up show. Yeah, it's I like it. It's literally show. called a team up show. Well, well, they got to <laughs> point. It's the Generic title team up is show number three. The title is team up, and it's going to have uh, DC heroes that are like one is the um, the flame, and uh, they're thinking one's coming from the future, Booster Gold or Rick Hunter. And um, it looks like some of the more obscure, not the big three mm-hmm. DC heroes are getting some time now. So, um, what's Ernest, what's his face? Beard Hunter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I just like the ear that we're in is that the movies have proven that these stories are really good. Well, there's also um, that there's a there's an audience for them. And, you know, they're getting some life. Uh, I Zombie is is starting to I come saw, out. Too. I saw a preview for it on yeah. the Internet. Mm-hmm. I was like. Okay, this actually looks better than I expected. It yeah. looks it looks it it looks like it's right there in the vein of things like Angel and Lost Girl and uh maybe Orphan Black. Um, I see that. Um and that is when I when we read the comic for the show, that is exactly what I thought like that's the gr- that's the perfect audience for 
where the comic book came from. I was not the biggest fan of the comic book, but if they handle the TV show in that vein and they get good writers, I think it could be done really well. The one thing, the one TV show we haven't talked about was that they just released the first images of Supergirl for um, yeah, that oh, yeah. Supergirl that show. Um, and uh, it, she, yep, she looks like Supergirl. Um, I'm curious to see what they do with that just because she's that's such a like obvious, she was in like the created during the heyday of the obvious distaff characters right, right. so i feel like there's like with she hulk there's great potential to do really cool stuff with her mm-hmm. i don't know if they so here's the thing like that one of the parts that aggravates me about dc tv shows is that they're we we've discovered you know and talked about the fact that they're they're basically purposely distancing the movies from the tv shows yeah. they're not mm-hmm. the same universe which kind of sucks because there's there's setup for Kara Zor-El in mm-hmm. Man of Steel um, because he's you know he's walking through the ship when he finds it and he finds all of the dead Kryptonians in their um, in their pods mm. and then finds one pod that is open and like somebody has it exited right Exited, yeah. um, I like to but think they're not Kryptonian cups or K cups <laughs> Jesus hey. Christ mm. <sighs> okay, so, just one Kryptonian per pod. So I'm I'm not far <laughs> off. Wrecks the environment, but <laughs> is it easy to access? Uh, I'm not far off because the headline is Aeroflash superhero team up spinoff in the works at CW. So it, it's a team up show. They haven't named it yet, but and it's has um, uh, Brandon Routh, who's the Adam now, and yep. and some other characters. I actually like Brandon Routh. Yeah, I actually thought Brandon Routh was. A really decent Superman and got shafted by a shitty movie, but um, but that's okay because I like yes. Henry Cavill. It's so fine. N- nerds, nerds are taking over. Yeah, nerd culture. Uh-huh. Yeah. I'm interested to see where this Supergirl show goes yeah. um, because uh, I know that superhero TV um, up until the Flash has spent a lot of time avoiding like superpowers basically and mm-hmm. avoid you know trying to do the you know as little special effects as possible yeah um which is why we end up with things like gotham and smallville because they're oh. like oh we can do it with the heroes not actually the hero so that we don't have to do all the agents of marvel falls stuff. in that too or, yeah, yeah agents of shield or shield yeah agents, agents of, of marvel, marvel. well <laughs> <laughs> um line of marvel the series season two <laughs> yeah um, something that we should talk about Marvel movie companion piece <laughs> <laughs> um, something we should talk about that we haven't actually talked about leading up to now is Emerald City Comic Con is coming up hooray um, two weeks huzzah Emerald two City Comic Con huzzah huzzah Trade Secrets crew will be at table FF09 in Artist's Alley at the Eck yeah and we are we're actually sitting right next to the Frederick the Great guys we're like right next door Joel's not coming because he's a douche yeah and not enough sports I will be appearing on Saturday only uh-huh um, I'll be there <laughs> I'll be there all three days but um, if Andy's gonna be there taking care of the booth most of the day Saturday I'm probably gonna use that day to be away from the table for FYI for anybody that gives a shit I will um, uh, plug 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 I will have uh, a limited number of copies of the paperback of my book for sale for $15 a piece or signed copies if anybody wants to buy one <laughs> um and somebody online actually asked if we were going to have merch at the booth. And I'm like, damn it. Now fucking somebody actually wants Trade Secrets merch? No. After all these years, yeah. somebody's like, God, I, w- I would have bought a t-shirt. I'm like, fuck. All if three you of you listeners the out there. Merch. What? The torso huh? What did you say? What? All three of you listeners right? out there. Right, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, you know, if that one guy shows up at the show and buys a t-shirt, that's a third of our audience buying our t-shirts. <laughs> that's actually pretty good. Market saturation. I was in market saturation. <laughs> yes, we had a uh, we had ideas for a lot of merch when we were doing the after the fact show. Um, we were also because, very drunk at that time. Well, yeah, but some of those were pretty good. <laughs> like you know, I want that. I still want the shirt that says that says on the front "Who likes an escort mission?" and on the back it's in big letters "Nobody likes escort missions." <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, so yeah, we will be at Emerald City Comic Con. Branded rubber fist. Yeah. We'll be at Emerald City Comic Con kind of in, you know, 
in pieces because I know uh, the one unfortunate thing that happened this year is we are not next to Micatron's booth. We're in fact on the opposite end of the hall from Micatron's oh, booth, right. which usually makes being next to Micatron makes it easier for Anne to yes. participate in our booth. But uh, the fact that I'll be a wanderer, yeah. So um, I suggest if I mean there's nothing I can suggest for people getting there now. We hope to see you because the badges sold out a couple of weeks ago. Um, but yeah, Emerald City's fantastic if show. You're gonna be there anyway. Stop by and buy Luke's book. Yes, thank you. Uh, I'll be drunk on site all Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> um, true. Uh, so that how that's going to affect the show actually is something that I'd like to bring up real quick. Is that um, episode ninety, which was going to be our long read for Lucifer, is going to get shifted because. Um, for scheduling issues, it's just and it's better for us to do that episode separate from Emerald City Comic Con. Um, we could do it at the show, but Emerald City is always a distraction, yep. so um, we'd rather have that long read episode separate. So we're going to do an Emerald City Comic Con special. We're just going to record some shit from the show floor and reminiscent of our very very first episode. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Uh, may or may not have interviews involved. I know I haven't set anything up yet, but um, we'll see. Uh, and then, uh, so that in two weeks on the 20, let's see, it'll be the 30th would be the Monday would we would release the Emerald City one is the day after the con. And then two weeks after that on April 11th, we're going to record the Lucifer long read. So uh, if you guys, uh, if you guys have any questions or comments or anything that you want to put into the Emerald City show, please let us know. And then we'll have that show out uh, shortly after the con. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to Emerald City. I love Emerald City every year. It is of all of of all of the the cons. I feel like it is big and interesting, but is still like about comics actually. Yeah, and less about movies and, and stuff. Yeah, and they're actually one of the things that it excites me this year anyway is they're starting to put a um, pretty decent like author track for non comics yeah. authors. There's a big list. Yeah. So there's a, there's a section of the floor that, um, on the sixth floor that's, that they're calling writer's block. Uh, <laughs> it's clever. Um, but there's going to be some like Patrick Rothfuss is going to be there. Robin Hobbs going to be there. Mike Cole's going to be there. Peter V. Brett, like a whole bunch of Naomi Novik's going to be there. A whole nice. bunch of authors that are, uh, that I really enjoy. And I think most, uh, I, I well, I would assume that a lot of comic book fans read fantasy and sci-fi as well. So, like Jason M. Ho's going to be there, who writes uh, the Darwin Elevator, um, and yeah, I, I'm I'm really looking forward to this one because that's uh, that writer's track is actually really cool. Um, they have a similar writer's track at Phoenix Comic Con huh. that has become really big like uh lots of you know big time fantasy and sci-fi speculative fiction authors uh show up there and i'm i'm hoping that that kind of takes off at emerald city as well because uh that would be helpful for me as well as interesting so hooray yeah you were going to talk about lady thor instead i'm going to talk about rumble for a minute it's a new book by uh john arcudi and james heron oh james heron james give me give me give me James Heron's so fucking fantastic. It is amazing. It reminds me sort of the helm where you've got this bumbling character who stumbles into a world nice. of magic. And it has the best art of a cat that's been possessed I've ever seen. Because <laughs> the cat keeps eating stuff. It's Dave Gibbons art, yeah? And no, it's uh, James Heron. Oh. James there is Heron. The best way I can describe this cat is it's egg-shaped at one point in this alley. Oh, God. But it's also about eight feet tall. It's just super fat, and the the book is just it's whimsical and fun, and there's some I don't want to say hyper violence, but there's violence that's comedic as opposed to just hyperbolic gory. violence. I yeah, think. yeah, that'll work. We'll go with that. But the art is phenomenal. It is a it's a really quick read. It's just good stuff. James and, Heron. I'm I'm glad to see him starting to pick up because his he's been like very underrated up until this point he did the my first exposure to him was a little bit after he started doing main art but he did a mini he did a couple of um uh abraham sapien abe sapien mini series and um he's so fantastic at like um uh body horror and uh monster horror and 
his just his his art's so good and i'm hoping that um you know i'm kind of hoping that his his stuff takes off uh and that he gets a lot more work like this because creature design and that's really cool yeah yeah he's really really good the uh the main supernatural hero is sort of a scarecrowish guy Mm -hmm. and just like when you, you it's one of those cases where when you look at any panel you can tell immediately which characters are where because they're all so different which is yeah difficult for some people to do um the just like literally from the first page the setting and the mood and everything just draws you in and like if you get a chance to read it i highly recommend it cool uh other than that the other book that i want to talk about for a second is rat queens is back yay uh, that's the braga special right the, there's a braga special on issue number nine mm-hmm. which uh is it's a continuation of the bit before the break um i love the new artist Oh yes, uh, Stepan Sedic. Yeah, yep. it's he is really good. Like, yeah, uh, I'm just I'm really happy to see like Curtis's you know just full tilt going with it. And, yeah, oh, it's so good. Stepan Sedic does. Um, he did like he did a free online comic for a while that he's still doing called Sunstone. Um, that has just been collected into. Uh, it's starting to be collected into paperbacks. It's. Um, it's erotica. Um, it's basically it's BDSM done right in a okay. in in a story where nice. it's it's a, a lesbian couple that gets together because of their like one of them is a dom and one of them is a sub uh, sub and um, it's got all it's got a lot of heart if that makes any sense like yeah. for especially for an erotica story it's got a lot of heart and the characters are really fucking awesome the only reason i read it because was because of rat queens like i'd never heard of sunstone and so i went he he basically published it for free on deviant art um okay. and then he's uh there's all you know there he's making a lot of corrections to it and and um uh changing it for for paper form now um but uh, you can read it on his DeviantArt page, and it's just like the characters are fantastic in it. And I'm not gonna lie, it's pretty hot. Uh, but it's there's a lot of great comics porn out there. Uh, I don't know if I'd call it great comics porn, but Brandon Graham's stuff before he did um, Rat City and oh, what the fuck was the other one? Like before he did his stuff that is mm-hmm. you know published. Uh, I have an issue of one that is just. His his irreverent uh, irreverence irreverency is amazing <laughs> in all aspects of everything he's ever done, and just watching it is you like you flip to the next page because you want to know it's like okay, there's no way that I'm gonna be able to predict what's next. I'm just I just have to see it for myself. Nice. Yeah. I'd like to give everyone their quarterly reminder to go read Ogloff. <laughs> Over the last couple of weeks, we have been reading the first six issues of The Massive. It is a Dark Horse comic that came out. Uh, it's It just finished, actually. With Ragnarok, episode, part six. Yeah, I've just finished with issue 30. Uh, it, like, it's, it's been going for about two and a half years. Yeah. Um, we talked about it when it first came out a little bit on the show a couple of years ago. Uh, it's been one of my favorites. Uh, Brian Wood and the, the core artist on it for the longest time has been Gary Brown. Um, of the six issues that we read, it was um, the first three issues were done by an artist named Christian Donaldson, and then Gary Brown took over and took o- took on the rest of the series. Um, uh, it is a post-apocalyptic tale that is a very different kind of apocalypse than you see in most uh, slow burn apocalypse. Let's yeah, say. so. One of the that's actually, and I got to tell Brian Wood this a couple years ago at Emerald City Comic Con. One of the things that I that I love about this book um, that I've loved since the start was the fact that in most post-apocalyptic stories, they approach the story from the complete and utter downfall of society. Uh, something happens, be it a zombie apocalypse or an asteroid hitting the planet or just, you know, some kind of economic collapse or whatever. And everything goes completely to shit and you end up with humans in small bands or, um, you know, very small communities. Possibly families. Yeah. With um, assassins attached. Yeah, there you go. Um, 
whereas the massive uh it was an in, the the apocalypse in the book is an environmental disaster called the crash uh that that effectively the entire environment of the planet changed in over the course of a year and i appreciate like that's my favorite part of about the book is just sort of like it visualizing this environmental catastrophe because mm-hmm. they do really realistic stuff like well here's what just happened to the coastal cities yeah mm-hmm. and like you know and it deals with everything from changing um like things on the biosphere level to to like changing wind patterns to mm-hmm. s- yeah. seas to, to sinking ships because uh the the water viscosity because a bunch of methane was released and it changed the surface tension of the water so so the ships sank um yeah it 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 deals with like um one of my favorites was was uh that um the tectonic shift in hong kong where they said that where he basically said that the entire land mass that hong kong sits on effectively just dropped a hundred feet without actually having a major effect on the the infrastructure of that landmass but it flooded you know it flooded several hundred feet of hong kong downtown hong kong but instead of this scenario where like all of a sudden it's mass riots and everybody's dying and every you know everything goes to hell and the typical imagery of a of a post-apocalyptic city where everything's falling apart um they you know the people have built this basically built a new port in hong kong it's like venice now yeah it's uh mm-hmm. where they've got a, a floating port that is built out of you know whatever they could find to build the port um and and yes there is uh civil unrest but it's not like um it's not like complete collapse of society one of the um, th- other things that i appreciate about like what's happening on a political level is that america is isolationist and silent yeah mm. it's a total dead zone yep. uh, they talk about that because there is um um the characters in the book it centers around it centers around five characters i'll say um uh, over the course of the entire book but it's the main character is Callum Israel uh he is a uh, white man that was raised in Bangladesh um, and became part of a, a paramilitary uh, corporation uh, and then eventually founded what the book is based around a, a, um, an environmentalist group called the, the Ninth Wave, uh, which was a, they call it a direct action group because they are, as they say in the book, we're not Greenpeace. They actually go out and like, block shipping lanes and you know take action against whalers that kind of thing at least before the crash they're Um, like not quite eco-terrorists but kind of yeah uh the second character is a a woman named mary um who is uh somebody that callum israel recruited um early in the ninth wave group and is also a love interest uh for callum Uh, magna gendra who is a guy that worked with callum in his uh paramilitary days and then two lesser characters that are uh, in this one are um, uh, Lars, who is basically their navigator, and oh god, what's her name? What's the girl's name? That, oh, yeah, that, what's her face? Uh, with the the American girl with the hair that drowns. God damn it! She doesn't die. I just she drowns. It's complicated. They get stuck <laughs> in a Arctic shaft. Um, so. Uh, but the the basic premise is that this can, this group, this ninth wave group, had two ships. They have the capital and the massive. Capital. Um, and the the capital is uh, um, a small uh, a small ship that they was their original ship, and then they got donated the massive, which is a giant like um, lab vessel. Basically, is what they've yeah. created it to be. Uh, that after the crash was Ryan is her name. Um, that was lost in the crash. And the premise is that they're looking for the capital. They're trying to find it. And the, the, the driving force behind the story is that they have to try and figure out a way to survive on the ocean amongst this turmoil of society. They have to be able to get supplies. They have to be able to keep the boat running. And at the same time, they have to try and find the massive amongst oceans that have completely changed. Mm. Um, so spoilers for the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, one of the nice things about it at the end is they actually mentioned they're like, we have charts that don't 
match up to reality anymore. <laughs> yeah. We need to redo everything. Yeah. Um, it is, it's very interesting going back and reading the first six issues of this book after reading the, the end. end. Um, because the end definitely takes a left turn. Uh, I, I don't know how much we really want to get into it, but... Um, how about we just so, say it's called so wait, Ragnarok? It, yeah. it, it actually has an end? Yes, it is a 30-issue... Oh, oh, issue. Brian Wood, not Brian K. Vaughn. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it has a decent ending, Ba-dum. too. Um, uh, I approve of this joke. <laughs> the way that I described this book when I first bought it was basically... Um, it's kind of like Firefly on a boat. Yeah, yeah um, it really is, yeah. So it's, you know, it's a group of people who are, you know, they're kind of quasi-legal when society was normal, and now they're just trying to there survive. There are no rules, kind so of, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of surviving on the fringes with the boat that they've got and a crew that prior to the crash was... Uh, is full of activists, basically. Yeah. And um, one of the kind of running threads through this book is what does activism mean now that the world is completely changed? Right, and all, all the politi- political structures are exploding. Yeah. And, you know, they, it, the environment is making itself a daily force in people's lives. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, what did you think, Anne? I loved the concept for this book. I think it's one of the coolest post-apocalyptic stories that I've read. I liked the character design. Mm-hmm. Hate the constant exposition. I felt like it was awkward as hell. Like when they're sh- telling you about the crash Every and stuff. Every second page, like the back in, when I was on the boat and the boat crashed and there was. <laughs> they, I mean, that's the thing. It's like in one issue they'll jump like three different time periods and have three different pages of exposition that are scattered in between flashbacks and. I frankly found the through line of the plot difficult at best. Hmm. Maybe that's just me. Maybe uh, I read it too quickly to to function. I would like to go back and take another look at it to yeah. see if I'm full of it or not. But in the first trade, they like there's a few places where they stick to a whole honking scene and like stuff happens. And maybe I actually know why it matters that that's happening. But a lot of times it seems like it's just like world building, which is fine. But world building at the expense of a like at the expense of dramatic structure, basically. I don't know. I, I think um, I don't. I don't necessarily agree. I can understand the point of view because, yeah the the uh, like the ex- the exposition where he's explaining the crash and stuff was. It didn't bother me as much because I found it very, very interesting. It is interesting. And it definitely, it just <laughs> yeah, and it definitely, I have um, over the course of the whole series, it. I feel like he does a really good job of of shifting slowly out of that exposition, um, or just highlighting the points that are going to be relevant to the plot in that particular moment. But yeah, definitely in the first three issues anyway, it's like, here's all the world building, and here's a couple of side things about the characters that you will be following later. Like, world Um, building, like when they go to Hong Kong and the streets are flooded, and there isn't like one character gets to explain to the other character what the deal is, because mm -hmm. the other character hasn't been there before. That's good exposition. Um but there was a lot of bad exposition as well in terms of like, oops, it's another. And I felt like part of it had to do with the beginnings of issues where they're doing like a little bit of summary for the people who haven't read it yet. But instead of like doing that on a page that gets cut out of the, you know, trade collected version, they're doing that in the scene. So like we've had the crash described to us like five times by the end. Yeah. The first trade. So, one of the things that I will say that I'm not sure if it makes it better or not is that um, you find out who the narrator is at the end and it makes it did like... We, did we at the end of the first trade? No, no, no. Not, no, at the that. end of the series. Like you, It's one of those books. It's kind of like... Um, <sighs> you literally find out in like the last three pages. Yeah. And I don't think that makes it better. Well, it's one of those things that kind of does because it makes it, it pulls it together a lot. And that's and like I said, for me, 
it's a different perspective because I have literally within the last week finished reading the last 30, you know, the last six issues, then gone back and read the, and read the first six again. And it completely changes okay. my view of the first six issues because it gives you insight into things that like right now you're like, God, this is annoying. And it's, it's, you know, it's, you know, there's these things that don't make sense. And then they do, you yeah. know, and no, then it, it totally they like, could. um, it, the loose ends get tied up is the nice thing about it. And the exposition is actually kind of explained in, in how it's be, in how it's being handled and why it's being handled the way it's being handled. I mean, maybe I'm like a dramatic traditionalist, but I'd almost rather have a frame story than mm. um, 30 mm. issues of unexplained exposition. Hmm. It, I don't know. I I mean, I'm on the opposite side from, from you because That's it cool. didn't bother me that much. Like... Um, I kind of enjoyed flipping back and forth between here's here's the crash and then here's the people who are trying to survive after it. Mm-hmm. Um that it was it was it was that kind of flipping back and forth was much more prevalent in the um in the first 3 issues than the second 3. Yeah. Uh because the second 3 they do follow uh, the second 3 is basically we need to supply our ship. And so they, you know, the the storyline through Mogadishu is probably one of my still in all 30 issues is one of my favorites in the book when they go to Mogadishu and then they, they meet Arcady for the first time mm. and Arcady's through line uh, in the later issues is fantastic. It's rock solid. It's really good. Nice. Um, and, you know, kind of, kind of giving us that insight into Callum Israel's um, like why he left Black Bell and like i really really liked in this three issue or in this six issues the the kind of the introduction of of callum and why he left black belt and then they have the issue where um you know he bails in the middle of a mission and mag is supporting him on the mission and he's like i'm out you know you can do whatever you think is right but i'm i'm leaving and when you realize that what you're what we're doing is wrong come find me and then you've you know later on obviously yeah. he does um um i you know aside from the exposition part i really love the character development in these issues and the characters are the characters in this book are what make it yeah what make it so good it's I, like i sort of feel that the massive and the environmental stuff is almost the perfect backdrop setting for character development Mm -hmm. and that this is really a story about how the characters are dealing with the end of the world for lack of a better term yeah yeah absolutely it is i mean that's a thing of zombie stories right it's all about the people it's all about the people it's just one of those like apocalyptic tales normally are, are you know about how people are develop within the situation and this is a really great example of there's a lot of stuff going on but really what the story is focused on is you know people start at place A and get to place B. Mm-hmm. And it's all about the journey as mm-hmm. opposed to the stuff going around it during the journey. I, I'm particularly enjoying uh, over the course of the whole story, but uh, but in this six issues, it's really uh, prevalent how they tie in um, in kind of a slumdog millionaire-ish kind of way, how they tie in how Callum and Mag and Mary are dealing with the post-crash world and how they're part in like black bell and stuff and ninth wave pre-crash gives them the skills to deal with all this changing shit in the world and how it's um how it has affected uh the the society that they now have to try and navigate you know literally and figuratively on their boat um it's i I, i'm i've been enamored with the characters in this series since it first came out and that's one of my it's probably my favorite thing that brian wood has done so far you are dead silent this whole time joel what do you think i was letting you guys say what you wanted to say (laughs) i'm not gonna hop on your conversations and whatnot that is just i like this book because brian wood does a really good job of explaining a world right most post-apocalyptic places are situated in one place and that's what it is and this is global Right. They start off they start off in 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 the Arctic where they're fighting Soviets and then they they go to Hong Kong 
and then they go to Antarctica, and it's the entire world has this problem. It's just yeah. not an American problem. It's That's just nice. not a European problem. And in fact, America is completely removed from the equation in this particular yeah, book. So. Right. So, so there's no cultural touchstones that most people that are going to read this have. Yeah. You know, it's not like, the Statue of Liberty on the beach. Yeah, you damn <laughs> dirty apes. Yeah, it's it, and it's a global problem, right? And mm-hmm. so the and the crew is a. A global community too, you know, and they all have their different, um, their different backgrounds that they all ended up in this one place, and they each took different paths, mm-hmm. and they they aren't cookie cutter characters, right? And that's the one thing I really enjoyed is that he takes so many different viewpoints from all over the world, mm-hmm. right? And it's they're global citizens; they're not just Americans or Europeans or I Africans. I think it's a very interesting or parallel companion piece to DMZ because DMZ is directly about the United States. Yeah, I mean that's all it really is about. It's about you know New York, New York, New York, mm-hmm. American Civil Second Civil War, you know. American centric and then so he finished that up and he's like well I want to write something different so what I'm going to do is I'm going to take America out of the equation and write about everything else Mm. Um, I particularly in this part uh, enjoyed the conversation between Mary and Ryan where because Ryan is the only American on board the boat Mm. and you know she's separated from her own society because of the America. She was not in America when the borders came, you know, went up and the the blackout started. So now she's basically stuck outside her own country. And I thought it was really interesting how, um, you know, she's really defensive about America because the, all of the non-Americans on, on the boat are like, yeah. And, and the, what the way Mary phrases it is America, the ideal of America is fantastic, but the reality of it is not, it, it is not as good and people and that's what people are understand about America and um she was and Ryan of course she's like you you get defensive about it and nobody on the ship gives a fuck that you're American but you keep reminding them yeah <laughs> and it like oh, yeah. you just need to settle the fuck down and be part of the crew and um yeah I just yeah it's those kind of little things that I really enjoyed about this book. And later in the book, I thought it was really fun when they um, the capital is forced to go uh, to New York City, and that's that is a really fantastic storyline in this book. But um, uh, these six issues definitely set up like they set up my love for this book it's, real fast. Yeah, I mean um, it's a, it's a, a brilliant setup to a wonderfully executed story. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the the end is. Different. Yeah, um, not what I expected. Uh, I do, I mean, I speaking about the end of the whole series, I do have to say that I, I kind of feel like it was, if it, felt, it did feel a little rushed. Because one of the things that I'm finding out with series like this, especially independent books, um, is that a lot of times the, indep- the authors of the independent books will have a, they have a beginning and they have an end, right? And they know what, they know how the series is going to end, they don't necessarily know how long the series will run. And that's true. That's um, the perfect example of that recently is sheltered. Um, they were originally, they originally pitched a 10 issue series uh, with the potential to expand it. Um, uh, when we talked to Ed and Johnny about it, yeah. they were thinking about like, well, it could go as long as, you know, 30 issues we don't really know. It all kind of depends on sales. It ended up being 15 issues and, and ended. But in, in that conversation with them, and I think that it feels the same with this, you have, you know, they have the setup. They have the ending. He knew, he, I, I have a feeling he had the, the Ragnarok storyline. Like, he knew that was going to, how it was going to go and how many issues. And then in between, they develop arcs that they can kind of plug and play. It's kind of right? like, um, for a terrible analogy, the Buffy where at any point, you know, any season could have been the end. Right. Of yeah. It. Okay. Yeah. And so, so at 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 any point, they're like, okay, we're going to get this far, and we're gonna we're gonna do this next three issue arc and see what happens. Do this next three issue arc and see what happens. And eventually, they get to the point where they're like, okay, well, now we're going to end it. We may not have gotten all these arcs that we wanted to do, and that's that is the only down downside to the massive in my opinion is I really don't feel like all of the arcs that Brian Wood wanted to happen got to happen Um, but it wraps up really well and this first six issues was what just solidified it for me when I read them the first time I was just like wow this is fantastic 
It's I, like I really love Brian Wood. I loved. I think it was it demo was his first thing. Mm-hmm. Did he do yeah, local so. before demo? I, uh, I think local came after demo. Okay. Um, but just in general, his writing style really appeals to me because it. There's a little bit more exposition in this book than I would have liked, but outside of that, um, it's just rock solid. It. Mm-hmm. He's smart about what he writes about. He's always it, he's true. very politically oriented to a certain extent. Sure, mm. maybe not as much as Greg Rucka, but <laughs> well, I mean, who is? Yeah, <laughs> I I'm gonna bring up the one thing that I brought up when I first read this book that still bothers me to this day, and that is in issue three of this book, uh, they are fighting. Um, Soviets on attack boats, and they are trying to prevent them from taking over the capital. Oh my god! Is and it the it's thing? the bullet, and it <laughs> still fucking bothers me. Uh, Mag fires a hunting rifle at one of the boats, and they specifically show a flying bullet. Except they don't show a flying bullet; they, they show, show the case. full shell. It's got the bullet with the casing still attached to it, flying through the air. And I will never, <laughs> ever forgive Christian Donaldson for that. Um, and it's funny when I re- I have so uh, Gary Brown's art is so synonymous with the massive to me now that when I went back I had completely forgotten, forgotten. that it was a different artist on the first three issues. So um, and then of course I see that I'm like Jesus fucking Christ! Like this is where I wish there was a I wish there was a director's <laughs> cut of this that I could just buy a new copy of issue three that fixes that one little <laughs> fucking thing. Like I really you, like. Uh, oh, who's the uh, the artist for Invincible? <laughs> Ryan Otley. Ryan Otley. I really want to commission Ryan Otley to do some amazing piece of artwork for you, but somewhere in it, someone is firing a gun. Where not only is there <clears throat> the shell is still on the bullet that's fi- firing out, but a shell is being kicked out of the gun. <laughs> oh God. Bush. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I. That's Andy's book. Or well, the, for me, and I just and I just I brought this up the first time I read it, but I'm going to say it again. In a book that is so detail-oriented and heavily researched and has so much like hyper-realism for its post-apocalyptic world, how do you let something like that by? You just don't pay like, attention to it. Right? I mean, it's, it's a point where that not only did that come off of the artist's pen, it had to go through Brian Woods, in front of Brian Woods' eyes at some point, there had to be a letterer and an editor and a colorist that all looked at that page and said, eh, fuck it, it's fine. I, I, I'm just saying, you know, so let, let's let's break this down. The artist made a mistake. Maybe he wasn't, you know, that knowledgeable on guns. Brian Wood is too busy researching uh, researching, researching actual effects of climate change. He's, you know, like, and who okay, knows if, if, if tectonic plates had shifted and blah, 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 what would be the effects of this? Oh, someone's firing a gun. Cool. So now let's talk about Antarctica. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's more on the editors than it is on Brian Wood. That, that may be. Sure. It's definitely on Christian Donaldson's shoulders. Well, yeah. He is the artist. He is the one that should have researched exactly what happens when a gun gets fired, especially if you're going to have firing guns. Now, Luke, do you understand how I feel about breasts? <laughs> yeah, sure. I think the important question is, and do you understand how I feel about press? <laughs> I think I do, Andy. I think, I think, uh, yeah. So buy, borrow, burn. And borrow, just solid borrow. Solid borrow. Okay. I think it's worth reading. I am not yet sold. Okay. Buy. I have all thirty issues, yeah. so yeah. yeah. Oh, buy it. I I, d- I did buy it actually. Uh, I'm actually going to say buy, and the reason I'm going to say buy is because I'm going to say buy the whole series when it's collected. Like, I'm, my hope is that it'll be collected into like two hardcover uh, volumes, thirty you know, issues. Like yeah, that can be thirty done. issues, like fifteen issues of hardcover volume. Um, and I'm going to say buy the whole thing because the the gripes about the first bit are mitigated by the rest of the story, in my opinion. So, solid buy. I love this series. Uh, as promised in the last episode, we have now scheduled all the episodes of the show out through episode 100. Uh, we have a full-on schedule. Our next episode, of course, is going to be uh, the Emerald City Comic Con special. And then the Lucifer long read is going to come on after that. We're reading all 75 issues of the main, uh, the core storyline from Lucifer. Um, 91 is ex- is Next Wave Agents of Hate. So good. So good. Uh, episode 92, we're going to read on a, re- on a listener request. We're going to read Supreme Blue Rose. Um, it's an image the, book. The, the quote was, 
see if tell you me can what tell me what happens. the hell it's about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then The Empty Man is coming after that. It's a Colin Bunn horror story uh, that Anne suggested. Um, then we're going to read Alex and Ada. It's a uh, the Luna a Jonathan Luna book that's actually really fantastic. Looks real pretty. Uh, then Andy's suggestion of Gotham Central. We're going to read the first so trade of good. Gotham Central. First trade is Rucka still, right? In, no, it's uh, Brubaker. It is Brubaker. Okay. Oh wait, isn't it Brubaker isn't and it Rucka? It's. Uh, I think it's because I know they both contributed to Gotham I Central. I don't remember how it works. <laughs> as singles. Um, and then we're going to do Afterlife with Archie, uh, which is I, I've been wanting to i've admitted it's like it's like morbid curiosity <laughs> as it were mm-hmm. uh and then wormwood gentleman corpse which is andy's it's fun uh and then another reader suggestion for episode 98 is going to be all-star batman and robin man we've been doing a lot of batman books lately <laughs> yeah well i mean one one in every 10 episodes isn't too bad batman like, doesn't come up that we just often did long halloween central. we're doing gotham central then we're doing all-star batman yeah i guess gotham central sort of counts then um, we did uh harley quinn we did <laughs> But if we're gonna if we're gonna do DC books, we're gonna be doing a lot of fucking Batman. Books. I'm fine so, with, actually, I'm fine with that. Looking, I'm like, well, we could be doing Superman. No. Yeah, sorry, Eddie. <laughs> uh, episode ninety nine, we're gonna do Warren Ellis's Trees, and then for our hyper mega excellent episode one hundred, which is also nearing our five year mark for uh, trade secrets, it, it'll actually be four and a half, I think. Yeah. Um, we're doing our preacher long read, oh, which so is good. the whole run so sixty good. something issue uh, run of preacher. Um, so so yeah, that is our uh, that is our schedule out for the next I guess twelve episodes. Uh, if you have any questions or comments or anything that you'd like to talk about for any of those shows, especially the upcoming Emerald City Comic Con special or our Lucifer Long Read, you can email us at tradesecretsatgeekerific.com. You can hit us up on Twitter at TradesecretsPod. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash tradesecretspodcast. A uh, lot of good discussion on that group. I'm it's It's been really good the last few months. Um, and in fact, that's where we got our reader suggestions for uh, All-Star Batman and Supreme Blue Rose. Uh, you can also hit us up all individually on Twitter. I am at Geek Elite and at Anbean Tweets. Andy Mathtastrophe. Joel Superfly. Uh, and we we talk to people on Twitter. Well, Joel doesn't talk to people on Twitter. He blogs nope. and twats. Um, but uh, the rest of us, uh, if you if you want to hit us up or if you want to tell us you hate us, uh, whatever. We especially, uh, and I'll say this. I know this is way early, but we want as much fan mail as possible for the hundred episode 100 um i'd like to i'd like to have a whole section reading fan mail so um so yeah we will be reading lucifer is the next book that we're going to read uh i just talk too long you 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 just talk too much yeah way too much i really do yeah fuck it we're out